The Wanganui River is the third largest river in New Zealand. You can find it on New Zealand's North Island. It's 290 kilometers long, which doesn't sound like much compared to some of the massive rivers that run across the planet, but the Wanganui is special to the Maori people of New Zealand. For 700 years, the river was an important route for communications. The Maori people lived along the river, and when colonizers came to the area, a major trading post was established near the river's mouth. The Europeans used it for transport and eventually forestry once railways were built in the country. It's an area of special spiritual significance to the Maori, and they fought for a long time to have that significance formally recognized. In 2017, the river was granted personhood. As National Geographic put it, New Zealand recognized in law what Maori had been insisting all along. The river is a living being. Parliament passed legislation declaring the Te Awa Tupua, the river, and all its physical and metaphysical elements, is an indivisible living whole and henceforth possesses, quote, all the rights, powers, duties, and liabilities of a legal person. It's the second river in the world to be granted such status. Join me as we visit a Canadian who spent part of her time in New Zealand on the Wanganui River, showing Kiwis the incredible landscape that surrounds them on Canadians Away. Welcome to Canadians Away. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Rihanna Flaherty was just a prairie girl enjoying her life in Canada. The travel bug bit her in university, and she spent most of her time away from Edmonton ever since. I lived in Edmonton. I was raised there, so I lived in there, lived there from the time I was two. I was born in Saskatoon, but we moved there when I was really little, so I'd say I'm from Edmonton, mm-hmm. um, until I was... Well, I started traveling right after university. I went to the U of A um, and I started doing sort of seasonal traveling. So I lived in Edmonton maybe half the year until I was about 26, give or take. Okay. I spent most of my time not in Edmonton. Yeah. So you've been traveling since you've been out of school kind of thing? Yeah, well, pretty much. I started, I, I finished a, an education degree and I, I immediately um, went away with my sister for to South America for like three, four months. So then I got the travel bug and uh, went to New Zealand the following winter. So I, I did a lot of um, chasing summers and I would go away for maybe two months at a time, three months at a time. And the trips just gradually got longer and longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Was, yeah. the, was the intention with your degree always to to use it to travel or or no actually not really not at all um and it's funny because I did an education degree and I have yet to actually work as a teacher (laughs) (laughs) full-time um so no it it wasn't although I did I, I was working in sort of outdoor education and guiding and I knew that I enjoyed working with people and instructing and things like that so it kind of um flew along with that but it wasn't it wasn't meant to travel with, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, I totally understand. You mentioned uh, being bitten by the travel bug when you went to South America with your sister after university. Yeah. What did, what did that mean exactly for you? What was it about traveling where you were like, oh my gosh, I have to keep doing this? Um, I think up to that point, I had never really, I'd always traveled with family and things like that. And I'd never really had that experience of, I guess, being able to sort of make my own decisions just for me. Um, my sister was with me, but she was a lot younger. So really I was in charge and, and being able to experience meeting people from all around the world. You know, we were doing the, the sort of classic hostel backpacking type thing. Um, and have those adventures without having to check in with anybody else without, uh, yeah. So just, I think being able to travel on my own and, uh, and make those choices for me was a really exciting experience in my early twenties. Yeah, no kidding. And to what degree or, or maybe the degree is zero, but, um, <laughs> you know, we're Canadians, we pride ourselves on being a multicultural nation. Do you think being Canadian, prepared you for the different cultures you were going to experience as you traveled the world? I think it, it certainly didn't hurt. Um, I think perhaps I overestimated how much I knew or understood about living in another country. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we come, I, and, and my family's maybe different from other families, but we come from a, a you know, a community or family where, um, I was expected to be open to other cultures and travel, and that was really, really encouraged. Um, but I also, I don't, I think I don't, I didn't realize how much I didn't know. Oh yeah. I but I was quite open to it, so I don't know, a little bit of both. Can you give me an example of of uh, something you didn't know until you sort of ventured out into the world, or something you took for granted, I guess? Oh gosh, I mean, even coming to New Zealand, I think that that's actually brought home a lot of things for me because. You come to New Zealand and it feels very similar to Canada until it doesn't, you know, <laughs> and it's not wildly different. It's not, you know, it's not a massive cultural gap, but even small things like um, when you go across the street here, you don't have right of way. But because it feels a bit like you're in North America, you kind of think you should. <laughs> and so you go to cross the street and cars get angry at you and nobody stops for you and all that sort of thing. And when you're someplace that feels wildly different from Canada, maybe you, you don't take that for granted, but coming to New Zealand, I found, Oh gosh, I'm going to get run over, you know? And it's, it's small things like that. Um, words that we use that I didn't realize that only Canadians use. Um, <laughs> just so many things that, that happen that you go, Oh yeah, right. I, I, I thought everyone did that, but, obviously they don't can you give me an example of one of the words that we use that that maybe give new zealanders a, a pause um oh eaves troughs there's one oh, really yeah. yeah you know eaves troughs my my husband's a builder and i dropped the word eaves troughs once and he was like you mean like the gutters <laughs> like, oh yeah i do i do mean the gutters um yeah, one of, <laughs> there's lots of them. I'm sure. Well, let's let's go back a little bit because you said uh, you know you started traveling after school. Mm. Uh, you, it sounds like you did find your way to New Zealand early on. Mm. Is it a place you've sort of you've obviously come back to a few times? Yeah. Um. I, I kind of my initial trip to New Zealand was sort of it was I was on my own and it was right after we'd gone to South America and it was my very first. I knew I wanted to travel more and I wanted to travel solo and I thought 
I'd heard good things about New Zealand and I'd heard that it was relatively straightforward to travel around as like a single female trying to make their way. Um, English speaking, all those things that make it a little bit easier as an Albertan going out and, uh, and that it was really outdoorsy. And I thought that that would be a really cool thing to experience on my own. And so I, I remember coming across New Zealand and going after about two weeks going, oh man, I need to come back here because everything is just, it's just stunning and it's straightforward to travel through and people are really welcoming and helpful. And so I, I don't think I'd ever intended to come back as much as I did, but I, after my first trip over, I remember sending a little text to a friend of mine saying, you should quit your job. We should move to New Zealand, like sort of after thing. Yeah. And the following summer, uh, the two of us, or the following New Zealand summer, the two of us did exactly that. We quit our jobs and came back to New Zealand um, to work. And that's when I met my husband. And that's kind of where that coming back over and over and over again kicked off was those relationships that I built. Yeah. I was here. Yeah. For sure. How was it? Was it a challenge to find work as uh, as someone who isn't a New Zealand citizen? Um. Yes and no. Um. So we came over the first time. Or the, sorry, my second trip over when I was actually working with a friend of mine. We came over with work holiday visas, hmm. which are super straightforward, easy to get. Um. If you're, I think it's under thirty five in New Zealand, and I can't remember for Canadians if you're under thirty five or if it's you're under thirty. Um, and, and so we came over and we, I was a canoeing instructor back home in Canada. And so we thought we'd try and get work in the outdoors, had been emailing a couple of different companies that ran, um, river trips and things like that. And so managed to get on with the company, um, pretty quickly because it's a reasonably specialized skill, um, uh, when we first got here so it wasn't it wasn't too much of a challenge and there is lots of work here it's just if you're if you don't have a specialized skill then then you do end up having to not be too picky and and potentially be picking fruit or things like that if you're wanting to work yeah for sure um mm. was it uh was it easy for your friend as well like you both just kind of went yeah. to find jobs yeah we well we had the same qualifications and we'd come from the same background um, so we'd applied together kind of as a little unit of, hey, the two of us would both like to work guiding for your company if that's possible. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have too much difficulty. It was very informal, which is a pretty typical thing here in New Zealand. Um, when we arrived, we weren't actually 100% sure that we had jobs. We just got <laughs> told to turn up and we'll see how it goes. Wow. Um, so we turned up. And, uh, and it went well, so. That, uh, that would, uh, that would make me very nervous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely nerve wracking emailing the, the guy who turned out to be our boss, um, and being like, Hey, we've landed in Auckland. We should be able to be there in three days. And him going, yep, sweet. That'll be fine. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, trying to like find a car and find, you know, all these things that we, um, and then emailing him back and having to be like, okay, it's going to be four days. And he was like, that's fine. No dramas. And so it was, it was extremely informal. We were definitely more stressed about it than he was. I mean, that's good. Like, at, at least it was a, a good taste of, of um, you know, the attitudes of some people there, I guess. Yes. Um, 
was this a was this job a good way to meet other kiwis yeah actually it was great so um what we were doing is we were run um guiding uh river trips down uh this river called the wanganui river which um and it was canoeing trips and they were like multi-day tours so it was anywhere from three two or three um up to about five days on the river and you'd be have like no cell phone reception and things like that um but it got it was really really good for meeting other kiwis because the folks that we were working with were largely uh locals um and then a lot of our clients were actually local as well and so um not local in the sense that they lived really near there but the wanganu that river trip is a very sort of classic bucket list item for a lot of kiwis particularly when they've got families mm. um, and and so it was really great to have people from all over the country coming on the trip um who knew they were they'd born and raised in New Zealand but had never done this type of experience before and so we were the experts in that they were the experts in New Zealand and we really got to know a lot of people and um yeah it was really really great and everyone was always so friendly and welcoming yeah. um one of the things that i always notice here is that when people for the most part, when people say, oh, we should get a coffee sometime, or if you're ever up in Auckland, you definitely have to look us up and stay with us. They genuinely mean it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty different from us. Um, did, did, <laughs> did any of these uh, these folks that you took on these, these canoe trips find it odd that Canadians were showing them their country? Not generally. Um no, I don't think they did. Um, I think a lot of them were um, interested in sort of how we'd ended up there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of it helped is that we were, because we were Canadian and not, say, Americans. Um, so when you're here and you're canoeing, um, canoes aren't like a, a normal boat that people use here because the, the rivers don't they're too steep and rocky and scary for canoes to go down. Most of them. Mm -hmm. um, so they're not a normal thing here. Like they are in North America where we're kind of, you know, the Canadian canoe. So here they actually refer to them as Canadians or Canadian canoes. <laughs> and, and so being a Canadian on the Canadian canoes, they would get really stoked about that. And it would kind of like up your prestige level a little bit. I feel <laughs> you must so know what you're talking Oh, yeah, it actually helped with your credibility. That's amazing. I, I reckon it totally did. <laughs> Do you find that the job that you started there with helped you to get to know the country really well? Um, yeah, I think it did actually. Um, it, it did in that one specific area. Now I don't live there anymore, and I live in a very different spot. But um, I think part of what was really interesting working there was. It's an area, it's a river with a ton of history. Um, so it used to be one of the main sort of through routes from boats on the sea coming and then they would meet up in this river because it was long and shallow and flat. Um, and then people would take paddle steamers up inland to the center of the North Island, which is pretty much as far as you can get. Um, and so, and the Maori had lived there for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and it has all this, all of this history, that area. So in working there and meeting people um, from the local Maori groups and things like that, we, you just get a really good grasp of sort of 
how the country develops and what people's different attitudes are. And also being on the river with a group of people for five days, you actually really get to know them. And so you really get to have a chat about where they're from and what they think and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think we got a really good, really in-depth understanding of one particular area of New Zealand anyway. Yeah. And where did you move to move to after that? Because it sounds like, I mean, obviously you're not living in that area anymore. What, uh, what caused you to move on? Um, so we were up there for a couple of years. Um, we kind of chasing summers between Canada, working, um, outdoor recreation stuff in Canada and New Zealand. And my husband came, well, he was my boyfriend at that point, came with me. Um, we went back and forth a fair bit. Um, and then we moved down to, um, we're now down on the South Island. So we're in a town called Wanaka, which is really near Queenstown, which is kind of a big tourism hub. Mm -hmm. uh, and we moved down on kind of a bit of a whim in that um, my husband had been working as a guide and decided he wanted to um, do something a little bit more stable. So he was doing a carpentry apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. And um, so we... Uh, knew we wanted to move south just for a change of pace and we started driving and he had the names of a couple people he wanted to meet up with who could um, supervise his apprenticeship and we just kind of drove until we m met one that it suited so it was another kind of very informal let's just drive south with our car full of stuff and see what happens <laughs> um, kind of moments and uh, and we ended up in this gorgeous little town called Wanaka where we've been for the last sort of four years um, full-time now we don't go back to Canada anymore. And how, uh, many, how many people live in Wanaka? About 8,000. Oh, so it's quite small. It's quite small. Well, see, everything, all the towns in New Zealand are quite small. So there's only mm. like, uh, there's only about four and a half million people total in the country. And about a third of them live in Auckland. So that leaves you three million, give or take, for the rest of the country. Yeah. And only about a million people live on the South Island total. So it's it's all very small town, sort of very rural um, feelings. And it's easy to forget because there's yeah. so much tourism down here. But yeah, it's a, it's a very small town. In spite of the, the small size of the country, but just given this, the small amount of people, does it feel mm. as sort of like wide open as Canada or even more wide open than Canada? It feels uh, like it feels like you take all the the really fun, cool bits of Canada and squash them together. So it, <laughs> there there are moments where you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere because there's lots of places that you know, based on the mountain ranges and the fact that there's nobody living there, there might not be cell reception for a few hours or things like that. Um, but that said, you're also never more than like a two hour drive from the coast. Mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, it's it's sort of hit and miss. There's times where you feel very isolated and there's times where you um it feels really really small and compact and close together. I always I always wonder if the relationship between uh you know, New Zealand and Australia is similar to the relationship between Canada and the United States. Is that something that you have experienced? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's an analogy that um I've definitely used um more than once for sure it's this this bigger neighbor that's perhaps a little i don't want to say more charismatic but definitely has a bigger presence on sort of the world's <laughs> stage if that yeah. makes um and then it's smaller kind of 
more relaxed. And if you live here, you think it's cooler um, <laughs> kind of place. So Yeah. And, and do Kiwis like take offense if, if someone mistakes them for Australian? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, you'll get the phrase, but we sound nothing alike. Yeah. Um, a lot, which is as a Canadian for me it's not true i definitely struggle <laughs> even even still you struggle to to notice the difference between the australian and kiwi accents i'm okay if there's like a kiwi and an australian side by side um <laughs> i can tell who's who but not not on one offs not usually yeah fair enough yeah. so you mentioned earlier like you guys are you're in this little town you're it sounds like you're there to stay you're not traveling back to canada very often that's that's true yeah i'd say that's true um because we've got uh our young kiddo who's little at the moment um that definitely we, we'd like to be a little more stable we'd like to like to be here and it's a it's a really cool spot to have ended up like it's right next it's in the mountains it's right next to this big glacial lake that's like perfectly clear it's absolutely amazing wow. um and it's just a really sort of friendly vibe when you're here so that's great yeah how, how old is the little one uh, he is almost two. He'll be two at the end of May. So he's like 21 months. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a whole, having a baby in another country is a whole, whole other story too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's an adventure on its own. But yeah, he's good fun. Is, is the healthcare system pretty different there from Canada? Like we take, I feel like it's something we really take for granted here. Mm. Um, it's, it's similar in a lot of ways, um, in that you definitely get, um, you know, your emergency care taken care of, um, and there's sort of that, that parallel private and public healthcare system. Um, but largely you're in the private or sorry, in the public system, um, mm. And yeah, it is it is very, very similar. Um, the one thing that we do have here that we don't have in Canada that's quite cool is they've got this thing called the ACC, which is the Accident uh, Compensation Corporation, I think. Um, and it's basically, it's a no fault. If you get injured, whether you're a Kiwi or not, if you get injured in New Zealand, um, they'll pay for at least a portion of your treatment. Whoa. Um, yeah. So, for example... Um, my husband, a couple years ago, he was out canyoning, he fell, he smashed his, his ankle, um, but it was like just a, a big bruisey sprain thing, and he was off work for a few weeks, and so they, co they covered all of the doctor's treatments, all of everything, as well as they covered some of his, um, like 80% of his missed wages. Whoa. Um, work, and that was on a personal trip that he got injured on. Oh, so that's so like... The, the the equivalent, I guess, but there isn't one, would be workers' compensation, but for leisure. <laughs> yeah, pretty much anything that's an accident. Um, and that includes also people who are here visiting, right? If you're here and you go hiking and you um, fall and break your ankle or something like that, um, a, a large portion of that is going to get um, covered and treated. Unless you decide to go through, if you go through the public system. If you go through the private system, it's a different story. But um, yeah, they won't cover your, like, if you're a visitor, they won't cover your missing wages and things like that because you're on holiday. But, um, yeah, a lot of your treatment stuff will be covered. So it's kind of this really cool, crazy thing that allows people to go out and enjoy having wee adventures. I wonder, 
I was going to say, I wonder if that like encourages people to take more risks. Have you seen any yeah. of that? Um, I, there's definitely an attitude here of, um, that pushes those boundaries a little bit more of risk taking. So, I mean, it is sort of a adventure tourism is a big deal in New Zealand. And I think between, um, that sort of, we'll, we'll take care of you if you do get hurt as well as, um, it's very difficult to get sort of sued personally here, um, mm -hmm. more than in Canada and things like that. Um, it, it encourages sort of that attitude of like, let's get out, let's try things. It's, um, they don't like to, to wrap people in cotton wool as much here. I mean, I think that's a good thing by and large. Mm -hmm. Like we, we yeah. should, we should be able to have fun and try new things. Shouldn't we? Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And, uh, it's nice to have some of a little bit of that bureaucracy taken away. Um, so that people can actually go out and, and have a go at some things. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, you're, you're there to stay for certainly a, a while. You've got a, a child to raise. Mm -hmm. ha have you and your husband ever talked about the possibility of moving back to Canada one day, or is it just not in the cards right now? Um, we, we have actually thought about it at certain points. Um, so before we, right before we got married, actually, we, um, we had been, we were living in Canada for about a year and a half. And um, we, at that stage, our intention was, was to stay. Um, and we'd gone through all the permanent residency paperwork and things like that for him. Um, but we, to make a long story short, we, we screwed up and um, he wasn't allowed to stay in the country. So um, he's allowed to go back in as a visitor, but at the moment, um, going through the process of trying to get his residency right now would be just massively painful. Hmm. Um, and, and so that was one of the things that spurred us staying longer term in New Zealand is because it's a lot easier to sort out permanent residency and your visas here in a smaller country. And, um, yeah, so, and for me, it was just way, way easier to come, come to New Zealand than it was for him to, uh, for us to restart that process in Canada. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but now that we're here and now that we've been here for a few years, the longer we stay, the, the sort of deeper the roots go. And then, and then you don't, it's harder to think about moving back now. No kidding. Do yeah. you, have you thought about becoming a New Zealand citizen? Yeah, actually, I just, just not that long ago was looking into um, the requirements and I think I need another year or so with feet on the ground in New Zealand officially residing here with my all my papers in place mm -hmm. um, and I probably will um, try and have that dual citizenship cool that's exciting yeah 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 it is exciting it's nice to sort of have that um, option of, of having citizenship in two of the I don't know two really good countries to have citizenship in no doubt and, and such like uh, different corners of the world too Absolutely. Absolutely. What, uh, what advice would you give to, uh, other Canadians who are maybe thinking, uh, nervously about embarking upon this sort of expat travel experience? Ooh. Um, I mean, I think, I think being flexible, if you have that choice and that privilege is really, really helpful. Um, if you're flexible in terms of where you're going, where you'd like to end up, 
Um, I think it's one of those sorts of, it's, it's a process that it's very hard to sit down and go, right, in my five-year plan, I would like to be living in uh, New Zealand doing these sorts of things or, or whatever it is. I think it's, it's, it's a lot more exciting and it's a lot more realistic if you can kind of go, well, I'm going to start out going this direction. I'm going to start out going to New Zealand and doing these things. Um, and being a little bit more open-ended, I think is a really, um, if you have that option, I think it's a good way to go and a good way to find out where you actually want to end up. And that's the end of season two, episode eight of Canadians Away. Thanks so much to Rihanna Flaherty for sharing her experiences with me. Canadians Away is hosted by me, Adam Rosenhart, and produced by Julie Elford. Information for today's intro came from National Geographic, The Guardian, and NewZealand.com. You can check out those links in the show description. If you're a Canadian with a story to share about living abroad, email us at info at canadiansaway.ca, and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Canadians Away wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave us a review. Follow and like us on both Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Canadians Away, and you can find us on Twitter, at CanadiansPod. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll hear from another Canadian living abroad in a couple of weeks.